1: From the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show.
2: Yeah, I'm looking at some climate obsession going on on your network television right now. I'll get to this thing later. Opinion piece in the Wall Street Journal. Climate change obsession is a real mental disorder. Alarmist stories about the weather. Not the warm air itself or behind the left's anxiety and dread. I really liked this. Oh, yeah. I'm looking forward to hearing this because I know it's affected kids, too. Sure. The effort
3: to turn them into little Maoist warriors for whatever cause is giving them tremendous
2: stress. I I know a couple of adults, nice guys, or both guys in this case, who they never talk about anything but climate change. Wow. Wow. What a thing to worry about all the time.
3: And and it sounds a little like an obsession to me, because there's plenty of things I worry about legitimately, but I don't talk about them all the time. Right. Yeah. How interesting. Uh, Coming up, have we ruined sex?
2: Huh. You're doing it
3: wrong. And, well, uh, hmm. Really, really good stuff. Uh, but this, I thought you would uh, love this as much as I did. Parents hire $4,000 sorority consultants to help daughters dress and impress during rush week. Oh, boy. And they're talking about specifically we're, the University so, of...
2: Yes? We were just talking about uh, college a few mm-hmm. minutes ago, if you didn't hear it. And Did uh, you
3: like my innovative idea? I yeah. thought it was good. Yeah. Yeah. Since college is so dumbed down. You just let the particularly bright kids take one set of classes, then give them the high school diploma and a college degree. Because they wouldn't learn anything in college anyway because it's so dumbed down.
2: Right. And I think that gets to, in a lot of cases, not everybody. I mean, some of you are on the academic track to become a scientist or whatever, and it's a completely different thing. Absolutely. But I think Mm -hmm. for the majority of people, it's the college experience that you're looking for. It's the... Hanging out with people your age, going to the football game, going to the bars, just doing that whole sort of thing—it's not the education. It wouldn't make. It wouldn't continue if it was just about the education, because there's no data to support it. Yeah, exactly. So this would speak to the sorority sorority consultant. If the if the point of going to college is the social experience, well, mm-hmm. then, yeah, you got to get into the right sorority.
3: And you could argue making connections and that sort of thing for your life uh, going forward, networking. Uh, so this is, again, uh, focused on the University of Georgia, which has a legendarily huge Greek system, so, uh, fraternity sororities. And, and the cuties of Georgia obsess, like since they're tiny little girls, with whether they'll get into the right sorority and be, have that status, which has always struck me as just so odd. Yeah, anyway. I uh, I
2: I find that sickening, and I think it's weird, but maybe, maybe you're into it.
3: Well, it's a woman thing to a great extent. Now, dudes who are into the Greek system, want to get into the right fraternity, they're serious about it, too, but
2: not in nearly
3: the just, same way as women can be.
2: I just hate the idea that your life is somehow going to be Lesser, if you don't get into the correct college, fraternity, or, or, or all kinds of other things in yeah. life, you'll be
3: fine. Well, yeah. Number one, it's unwise and, and causes unnecessary stress. Number two, to me, it, it elevates the scam right. that is the modern university thing. It's just another aspect of elevating it. But,
2: so uh, my this, favorite sorority yeah, story, re- and then I'll let you finally do this. Go my ahead. favorite sorority yes, story, because I live in a big college town. Where they have, according to USA Today, dorms that are like a four-star hotel. I have not seen them. And then the sorority houses and fraternity houses look very nice also.
3: But anyway, I was at a... I had a dorm, like a crappy, crappy dorm, and I
2: learned plenty. Just saying. Um, I was at a uh, crossing, what do you call it, crosswalk in my college town on like a Friday night and all the... Sorority people were walking across because the Swordy houses were right there. And every girl who was dressed exactly the same. I mean, they all looked exact same shade of blonde hair, same clothes. Same, everything was exactly the same. Not like they were going out in a uniform. It's just no. this was their individual choice to all look the same. That's fine. Right. That's always been a thing. But um, it's funny. It's just funny how we all feel like we're being individuals by dressing the same as everybody else. But um, every one of them staring at their phone as they walked across the street. This is the time of your life you tried so hard to get into this sorority to be with all these people, and you're all walking together, staring at your phone, not talking to each other. How weird is uh, that?
3: Well, that to reestablishes that at this point it's just a status thing, really, uh-huh. to a large extent. Anyway, he says, trying yet again to start this discussion, uh, George has got this huge sorority system. So this chick whose name is uh, Trisha Addicts, she offers a $600 seminar for women and their moms to learn the basics about getting into a sorority. So you come to this seminar for an afternoon or whatever, cost you $600 a head. Now, $3,500 buys unlimited access to sorority mentors afterward who would advise the aspiring members through every step. She's part of an industry emerging in recent years that sells tips and emotional support to women who want to avoid the missteps that threaten first impressions. Already, consultants cover such topics as what to wear, how to act, what to say, and the wisdom of scrubbing potentially off-putting social media posts. For instance... This one recent graduate said hiring her was worth it. Otherwise, she risked entering blind into the arcane rituals, traditions, and unspoken rules of Greek life. Quote, you have to be trendy, but not too trendy. Modest, but not too modest. Fit in, but
2: be unique. The trick is blending in and standing out. (laughs) That is the trick, blending in and standing out.
3: Yeah, wow, wow, wow. Getting into sororities has become nearly as competitive as acceptance to top universities, says the Wall Street Journal. Why Appli- does this make me sick to my stomach? Is there something wrong with me? Well, it's so not you. I mean, this is the <laughs> anti-Jack Armstrong uh, existence. Uh, applicants are asked to write essays, give their grade point average, and report whether they did volunteer work or played high school sports. Oh, that's nice. Women submit application packets which is with as many as 30 letters of recommendation. That's plenty. Uh, some sororities require that applicants record video responses to their questions. My boyfriend went to Stanford and he th- and this is more complicated than getting a Stanford MBA she said
2: Wow, wow. I guess my <laughs> overall theme I mean I'm sickened by a lot of it that doesn't make sense. It's clearly something wrong with me but the uh, the other part that is that is uh, uh, not abnormal would uh, would be just just having been alive a while now, the idea that any particular thing in high school or college is set your life ir- irreversible or irrevocable on a path of some direction is just so not true. I mean, oh, my God. Oh, yeah.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Every twist in the road, every fork in the road. Oh. You can make multiple choices. And <clears throat> uh, so, and then this, uh, Have We Ruined Sex, also from the Wall Street Journal. They had five writers discussing uh uh, topics on uh, coupling, and this was my favorite part. Um, is that what you call it? Coupling? Do you want you a couple? Call it whatever you want.
2: You whisper in there. You want be a in couple? The mood for
3: coupling? Pardon me. Coyous? If a woman has a fantasy of being overpowered by a man, is she a patsy playing out patriarchal scripts? Is she a victim of what used to be called <sighs> false consciousness?
2: I just lost my erection.
3: Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and and uh, this gal it's actually a terrific piece she wrote but um these days conversations in and out of our classrooms seem to be going in the same direction the brilliant feminist philosopher Amia for asks quote whether there is a duty to transfigure as best we can our desires she makes a very clever and nuanced case that there is in a paper for her college philosophy of sex class Philosophy of sex. My daughter recently quoted the feminist scholar Sandra Bartsky. A thorough overhaul of desire is clearly on the feminist agenda. The fantasy that we are overwhelmed by Rhett Butler should be traded for one in which we seize state power and re-educate him. Oh, that is so good. And such a beautiful example of the idea that radical leftists have that they can rewrite human nature. This person, who is a brilliant feminist philosopher, is claiming that you can rewrite the nature of human sexual arousal according to the correct politics.
2: This kind of reminds me, and I tried to figure out if this was trolling or not. But I went back a little bit on the guy's uh, Twitter feed and it it seemed like this kind of guy. So he's in college. he's you know out at a party or something like that, meets up with a girl. I mean this is not for the children to hear here. Somehow they end up in a situation where she uh, performs um, uh, oral activities on him. Yes, anyway, they had a chat, you mean? They discussed something? So his thing is, the next day, he realized that they hadn't discussed it, he hadn't given consent, and was he taken advantage of, and should he go to authorities?
3: Should he <laughs> right. go to authorities? Yes. Yeah, you should go to authorities <laughs> immediately and hand in your man card.
2: Or just to brag <laughs> to everyone there. Whoever the excuse me,
3: officer. Officer, excuse me. You know what happened last night? Why are you telling me? I'm telling everyone.
2: Right. No, it was oh just, I realized when I woke up in the morning we didn't discuss it, any of the parameters. I didn't give any consent. And should I should I talk to somebody about this? Was I taken advantage of? I was like, is this is this really where some people's thinking goes in the modern world? Oh my god.
3: Yeah. Yeah. So she goes on uh, the image of the feminist re-educating Rhett Butler after a couple of margaritas is obviously bordering on parody, not to mention mention the eerie authoritarian undertones of the word re-educate. But the fantasy that we can somehow police our sexuality for political consistency is more prevalent and even mainstream than one might think. And we've been talking about how little sex young people are having or, or even getting together, forming relationships. And I think this is part of it. Emerging from this discourse is a glimmering ideal of everyone being nice and sensible and utterly controlled and perfectly respectable and egalitarian in the most intimate settings. But it seems to me that there is something flawed and sanitized about this idea of absolute consistency, of desires that adhere to a checklist our conscious mind dutifully assembles. This image neglects the inconvenient reality that, for many people, sexuality involves contradiction, escape, play, risk, experimentation, theater. What is appealing about sex is precisely that one doesn't have to be one's respectable date self. Mm. The intimate realms elude and maybe should elude our attempts to regulate them with things like political convictions or dislike of the patriarchy.
0: <laughs>
3: wow. Um, and then uh, it, this is so good, but it, it, it unmasks so much of the crazy political thinking. And this is the final part that I thought was great. Uh, when and, and pardon me for uh, uh, abusing this woman's name, Uh, There is an alternative feminist tradition that recognizes and accepts accepts the tangles and complexities of intimate life. How divided and conflicted we are in terms of power and desire. When Simone de Beauvoir was asked of her romantic subjugation to her lifelong partner, Jean-Paul Sartre, who was at odds with her feminist politics, she said, Well, I just don't give a damn. I'm sorry to disappoint the feminists, but it's just too bad so many of them live only theory instead of in real life. I think that's at the root of it. People who who become obsessed with these liberal arts, victim culture, educations that looks at life through the lens of theory. You know, theory can be interesting and, and illuminating occasionally to explain life. But the idea that what your college teacher teaches you is life is silly. Those of us who've lived a little just
2: silly. Wow. What a weird time to be alive. Yeah, I know it.
3: Things are getting weird, and they're getting weird fast. I'm hoping it passes, but the cultural Marxists have done so much better a job of indoctrinating young people than the economic Marxists ever did in our government schools right now. It's frightening.
2: Trump gave a stem winder of a speech in Erie, Pennsylvania over the weekend that uh, many reviewers are calling as classic Trump as anything he did in 2015 among other things we can talk about.
4: Stay with us.
1: Armstrong and Getty.
4: This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives. And now, get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC Terms and Conditions apply. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe.
0: Mexico will likely have its first female president.
2: And then you have China.
0: The Armstrong and Getty Show.
1: Donald Trump does not stand in the same shoes as any other defendant because you do have considerations about whether or not you're going to put him in prison at all if he were to be convicted. And then the logistics of such a detention
0: in terms of Secret Service, he's entitled to it throughout his life. So it is not simple to say he's going to face 80
1: years in prison or eight years in prison. It's really what is the best thing to do at the time if there is a conviction and a sentence.
3: That was Ricky Kleeman, a legal analyst on Face the Nation Sunday, and I was struck by her comments. I hadn't heard anybody break it down like that. Um, and I thought, wow, that is interesting. What's a judge to do? And the second part of why I like that clip was, and we edited it out, but Margaret Brennan had asked her breathlessly, how much time could the Donald Trump be sentenced to? Hoping to hear 270,000 years, Margaret, he could be sentenced until the earth crashes into the sun. But Rick, Ricky Kleeman essentially said, look, answering that question is just silly. Here's what we have to deal with. And I thought that answer was so interesting.
2: Wouldn't you have to pardon Trump, whoever wins, Biden or Gavin Newsom or whatever, if they won? You can't you can't put him in prison. I mean, for the logistics reasons they just mentioned and just if Trump gets 80 million votes, which he probably will, that, that's just not going to work.
3: No, no. You could commute the sentence to a big fine or something. I don't know. But yeah, the idea.
2: What are the Secret
3: Service guys going to do? Sit there in prison all day For thinking, forever? Wait a minute. I didn't do anything. Until he dies of old age. Now i got to report to a prison every day and sit next to him in his cell?
2: So this is worth mentioning. Trump held a classic throwback rally in Erie, Pennsylvania that nonpartisan pundit Mark Halperin said was as much like his signature 2016 events as anything we've seen since then. And he wrote, I'm not here to celebrate Donald Trump's Erie performance. I'm here to tell you that if he keeps up that level in focus, he's going to be impossible to beat for the nomination On the current trajectory and much, much harder for Joe Biden to beat than most Democrats seem to realize it wasn't just that Trump was pure Rickles slash Sinatra over 90 minutes, although he was. It wasn't just the energy between Trump and the battleground state crowd was raucous and bawdy and emotional, although it was. And it wasn't just that in the arena on TV, it came across as the greatest political show on Earth, although it certainly was. It's that he got back to the issues that have revved up the MAGA crowd all these years. He talked immigration, mm. economy, trade, all the things they talk about and not, you know, leaning on the, look what they've done to me. Finally, taking your advice. If he keeps up this mixture of rhetoric issues, framing, and energy, he could be tough to beat, says Mark Alpern. I don't know if he has well, the discipline be, for he'll that.
3: He'll be running against Gavin Newsom or somebody like that. Not Joe Biden. I'm standing by that. But uh, that does not negate anything Halpern said.
2: Easier or harder to beat Newsom harder i think so too i could be, to be a Biden because
3: california is crumbling
2: <laughs> uh if you miss an hour of the show grab the podcast armstrong and getty on demand
1: armstrong and getty
4: the big take from bloomberg news brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best informed business reporters around the world western nations like the u.s and europe
0: mexico will likely have its first female president
2: and
4: then you have china A dramatic
3: drone strike on Moscow. In video circulating online, local residents filming as three UAVs flew over the Russian capital, capturing the moment that one exploded, hitting a building housing government offices. It's the third such strike on Moscow region in the last week alone and follows more attacks elsewhere in Russia. The Russian Defense Ministry blaming Kyiv despite launching
2: daily attacks against Ukraine. Did you see the video of that happening? Uh-huh. That'd be something, man. You're downtown Moscow, and that explosion happens up in that building. I'd get your attention. I don't know how you wouldn't. I suppose if you've been trained to believe that Nazis are attacking you from Ukraine, and you think, God bless our boys, doing our best to fight them, or you'd be thinking, what are we doing?
3: Yeah, what an interesting question. Is that rallying support or or raising angst and disgust over the whole thing? Depends on the people's uh, information bubble, I guess.
2: Let's hear more from this ABC report on what's happening in Ukraine, and then we can discuss.
3: President Zelensky saying, gradually, the war is returning to the territory of Russia. And on the battlefield, Ukraine making slow, painful gains. Videos circulating online showing Russian attacks on advancing Ukrainian vehicles in Robotna in Zaporizhia. But perhaps a sign that the Russians are feeling the pressure. Former Russian President Dmitry Medvedev repeating threats about using a nuclear weapon
2: if Kyiv's counteroffensive is a success. Well, that's nice. Wow. Wow. That's a heck of a thing to do, to be threatening nukes again. Nobody seems to believe that that's actually on the table from the Russians, but pretty reckless language, certainly. I was watching a little Mike Lyons on CNN, our friend Mike Lyons. Maybe we'll have to have him on later this week. He was uncharacteristically optimistic about gains that the Ukrainians are making, particularly in the South, saying Mm. he feels like they've found a a weak spot in the Russian line and are making a a beeline for the sea and may may cut uh, a lot of the Russian military in two and, and have a pretty significant advantage. So who knows? Yeah, we ought to grab Mike and
3: have a conversation. I haven't heard anything approaching optimism out of him in, in quite some time.
2: Right. Right. Um, you know, and more stuff that we're sending him or the West or NATO is sending to Ukraine is arriving all the time. But lots of people are dying. Man, I saw that portion of the report on ABC News over the weekend. Lots of Ukrainians are dying. Oh, my God. It's brutal.
3: I find myself uh, wondering what the Trump policy ukraine slash russia is going to be um well his his, i mean obviously what he said go ahead
2: his talking point is that he could end this in a day
3: yeah uh that's ridiculous but um I'm, i'm curious what he would do specifically or what his foreign policy team would advocate um going for diplomacy and ending the killing yeah i get that and i think everybody's in favor of that but If you have two sides that aren't are are so far apart, there's nothing to sit down and talk about. Is he just going to yank out support and let let Russia win?
2: And is what he's saying politics? Is he trying to mobilize his base that might be not super into us fighting or uh, supporting Ukraine? Mm -hmm. And then he'll have a different point of view if he's in the general election. I don't know.
3: Oh, right. Yeah. Plus, Trump is mercurial enough uh, that he might just change his mind. I don't know.
2: You know, what we haven't discussed is how about the Biden White House, the Biden family? Joe and his wife, Dr. Jill, acknowledging their seventh grandchild late on a Friday afternoon because
3: uh, of political pressure.
2: If I was going to be extra charitable, it would be. It was political pressure that kept him from acknowledging. And... Um, How so? Well, they, they thought that would be better politics. That's pretty much as disgusting as the other choice. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it is. I gotta believe... You know, I'm more charitable toward Joe Biden than you are. He's... I, do you think his whole family man thing is an act? I just can't believe that some grandpa that's got six grandkids doesn't want to you know acknowledge this little girl i don't know
3: well i I tend to agree with charles cw cook who wrote an article in the national review last week i think it was joe biden is an a-hole and man he goes through it not a joke all of the lies the the pumping himself up the jim crow on steroids garbage the they want to put you in chains uh, just all of it. He's an a-hole. He's a bad person. Well, Sorry, Lindsey Graham. He is a bad person.
2: That's, uh, you know, on that politics stuff, that certainly all did happen, but it's hard to imagine being 80 years old, having grandkids, having a little girl who died in a car wreck, and not having a lot of compassion for this four-year-old girl that's out there. So I guess the proof will be, are there any actions to follow this up? I feel like you got to have mom and the little girl come to the White House and get the full grandpa's the president treatment, don't you? And even if they do it behind the scenes and I never hear about it, which is the way you should do it, probably. Um, I just wonder if that'll happen. Yeah, I you don't gotta. I don't, know. don't you have to invite the grandkid to the White House?
3: If you're president. You know, I, think, I think the ultimate answer to all of this stuff is this is why you don't get forgive me, effed up on drugs and knock up strangers because it puts a child in a very, very difficult, uncomfortable position. You have, genetic, genetically speaking, a child, no relationship. Hunter says he doesn't even remember being with this woman, which is entirely possible. And now there's a child. So is that your granddaughter? Biologically, yes. Socially, relationship-wise, no. So what do you do? And I'm not defending Biden at all. I, I'm saying you engage in horrible amoral behavior, you're going to end up in horrible situations.
2: I'm not, a, I'm not a, I'm sure I'd buy the whole, I don't even have a relationship with her. No, you don't. You see, you should. You should have from the beginning. Yeah. It's your kid. The fact that right. you don't is not like, why would I acknowledge her? I don't have a relationship with her. Yeah, you were supposed to is the thing. I don't know. I've never been in that situation. It would be weird. I, I can uh, I I think you can understand how it'd be a little weird as a grandparents. Mm-hmm. I mean, what what do you do with uh It wasn't it's not like your other grandkids relationships you've got where you were there for the wedding between mom and dad and you've known them forever and you were you went through the pregnancy and blah 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 all that sort of stuff. So I don't know. What what do you do? What would you do?
3: I, I don't know. it would be extremely difficult. I uh, you know, let me think about it for a while before I answer that. Do you invite some um, people
2: to Christmas you have never even met? Because they're biologically fam- I don't know I, because I two know.
3: wasted people fornicated. yeah and again, that is why you don't live that life because you end up with a child who who is born into that twisted set
2: of circumstances. Not her fault, of course, though, the little of course not. Girl. Right, right. Do you think he invites her to the White House? At some point, probably. I mean, he could do it as a big public show. He's been shamed, including by the left. You know, NBC News mentioned it last week. Marine Dowd wrote that big thing in the New York Times about it. I think it almost looks worse if you make a show out of bringing mom and the kid there. Yeah, it's just, it's all so despicable, all of it. But if you're going to do the whole, I got six grandkids, I talk to them every day. I don't know what you do. (sighs) Yeah, yeah. Well,
3: uh, certainly... uh, Hunter's the the smartest guy I've ever known. Is he? uh, Certainly, folks listening, I'm sure, have strong opinions going in various directions, but... um, I would point out that Hunter, through his activities, um, and, you know, the woman, obviously, too. She was a willing participant, have put old man Biden and his wife in an extremely uncomfortable and difficult position.
2: Absolutely. Yeah.
3: Love didn't make that baby. Wasted lust did. Now, there's still a child there, and that trumps all other concerns.
2: Right. And the kid needs love.
3: Right. But getting together and slapping backs at the backdoor barbecue with... London's extended family or Navy's extended family in London and in company. Mm-hmm. Uh, who knows? They might end up being great friends, but.
2: One time?
3: Because of two wastoids fornicating. It's just a weird basis of relationship, but it happens.
2: Sure. Well, the New York Times article about it several weeks ago, I think their point was, yeah, it was two wastoids fornicating that brought about this kid, but. Mom's family is fully involved. Mm-hmm. They're they're doing the thing you do. I mean, they're they're helping out and watching the kid when she's at work and all the things that you know families do. Okay, the other side doesn't have to because they're what busier, richer, powerful, more powerful would look bad. Yeah, it looks bad for the image. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, of course yeah, you know, a little girl goes there. Dog bites her. That's no good.
3: That's like a fifty fifty chance. Or she
2: actually deadly gets into the cocaine laying around the White House. You know what I Oh
3: boy, I certainly hope not.
2: Come on. Or Wow. You know, grandpa trips and falls on her. There's all kinds of bad things oh, that could happen.
3: Wow. Wow. Come on. Now now I just think you're making light of the situation.
2: Did you see so there the, the way they handled it on Meet the Press is they showed the Mitch McConnell lockup moment and then said do we have a problem in our government with people serving who are too old? And they didn't mention Diane Feinstein, at least in the tease. I thought that's really out of bounds. I mean, you got to throw them both in there. Yeah, I didn't see it, but surely they mentioned Dianne They did when they got to the story, but in the tease, oh, okay. they only mentioned Mitch McConnell. I thought, ah, come on now. We got two good examples of old people locking up or or, or not knowing what's going on. Um, but did you see the clip of Mitch McConnell saying... Uh, tell Joe I got sandbagged. Ha,
3: ha, 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 ha. Yeah, yeah. There you go. No. Well played, Mitchell. Is well it? played. Is, is
2: is tripping over a sandbag and falling down the same as you just lock up and stare for 30 seconds? No, of course it's I not. Don't think, <laughs> I don't think the same. Oh, boy. Boy, our
3: current politics are just depressing.
2: <laughs> and so crazy. And so crazy.
3: <sighs> Yeah,
2: We have very nearly the oldest government we've ever had. I saw that, I think, in the Washington Post yesterday. We could get into some of those numbers, but it's pretty clear from just looking at it.
3: Yeah, let's see. Well, how about one more? As long as we're talking about Hunter, let's move on from this. But um, I heard this on Catherine Herridge, because I don't. this story cannot die. It's about the plea deal train wreck, clip 31.
1: What I would say being inside that courtroom for three hours is that the two sides now have an opportunity to answer her questions and sort of renegotiate the language in this plea. But as one former federal prosecutor said to CBS News, what happened in that courtroom was a train wreck. And based on the judge's line of questioning, I think that these could be uh, big gaps to bridge and the bar may be even higher with this federal judge to get her approval.
3: I was surprised to hear Catherine Harridge say what happened was it turned out the uh, prosecutors and defense were, were far apart on how they interpreted the agreement. And I, that is naive. That is not true. They worked out the agreement together at length over the course of many, many weeks. It was spelled out in the agreement that Hunter was protected from prosecution for all of his activities. And when the prosecution got called out in court, they did not have the guts to defend it because it's so clearly collusory and 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 unjust. And so now they're going to renegotiate. How do you renegotiate? Hunter only signed the deal because he'd be protected against prosecution for the rest of his days um, for anything he did during all those years and all those economic activities. And he pleaded out to a couple of simple misdemeanors.
2: Yeah, I think that's been underappreciated how difficult it's going to be to come up with some sort of agreement now. And they were given 30 days. Well, that was a week ago, so now we're down to three weeks. And it'll be interesting to see what they come up with three weeks from now.
3: Meanwhile, Devin Archer's uh, chatting with Congress today. This is Thomas Dupree on Fox News Sunday uh, with a comment or two question is, is did President Biden
1: interfere with these business dealings? Was he present? Was he on the phone? And was there money exchanged? These are all important questions. And look, I think Devin Archer could very well be an absolutely critical witness here. He was someone who was closely involved. He's someone who apparently has a lot of information. And I think the congressional committees have been doing a fantastic job in eliciting this information. I suspect that if this had just been left to the Justice Department, you know, they're not going to really pursue this the way they have. We've heard there's been political interference. And so I think the congressional committees have been doing a massive masterful job in identifying witnesses, bringing them and giving them the testimony that is allowing us to figure out what actually happened with President Biden and his
3: son. Ah, but to what end will this get enough attention to attract, you know, Americans concern? And will anybody be held accountable? That's always the, uh, the big question.
2: Well, we'll know, I think the people are expecting it to leak out, and we'll know tomorrow or by the end of the day and be able to discuss it for certain. we got a lot more on the way. Stay with us.
1: Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty
0: Show.
2: Well, I hadn't seen this. The Wall Street Journal reported Friday on email exchanges between Facebook executives and Biden administration officials obtained by the Republican-led House Judiciary Committee that seemed to indicate Facebook shaped its COVID-19 content Guidelines in response to demands from the Biden administration in mid-2021. As
3: 100% it, correct. As yep. it
2: sought to get its vaccination campaign off the ground. Quoting one of the emails. Can someone quickly remind me why we are removing rather than demoting labeling claims that COVID is man-made? Facebook said, uh, we are were under pressure from the administration and others to do more. We should have done it. We shouldn't have done it. Sent those e- that uh, let people... Facebook, those kind of stories. That is, mm-hmm. thats That should frighten the hell out of people.
3: There are more quotes, too, about how the uh, the administration bullied them into suppressing any discussion of the lab leak theory. Why? Since the lab was run by the communist Chinese, why would the administration be bullying Facebook into doing their censoring for them on the topic of the lab leak theory? I mean, it's not difficult to figure out. Because Fauci knew he was dirty. The most charitable explanation is that Fauci was down with experimenting on coronaviruses, and he didn't want to be interfered with because the Chinese had screwed up.
2: Well, now that that committee's looking into it, I'm sure we'll learn more and get to discuss it more. I came across this over the weekend, thought it was really interesting. I don't know what the big five personality traits are. I meant to Google it, but I didn't. It was referenced here. But it says cognitive cognitive ability and the big five personality traits explain 28% of the variance in academic performance. Cognitive ability is the most important predictor. This is important the way this breaks down. Accounting for 64% of the explained variance in academic performance. Conscientiousness is the second most important, accounting for 28%. Hmm. Which is not surprising to me at all. But so just plain brain power is two-thirds of being successful, basically. But the other third is conscientiousness, trying, giving a crap. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, well,
3: various philosophers, comedians, writers have said, you know, know, 75% of success is just showing up. I would say within the context, if you assume... A certain level of intelligence and you know it'll limit your your uh, success somewhat since you have intelligence then yeah three quarters of what happens from there is just showing up the big five of personality traits would you like to hear them sure openness to experience conscientiousness extraversion, agreeableness and neuroticism mm. and there's a little uh explanation on that but
2: Oh, uh, yeah. I was trying to find that quote. Remember that we had that quote. It was from uh, one of your great philosophers, and it was something like, the key to success is trying hard. I don't even need to find it. That boils it down. The key to being successful is trying hard. That's what yeah. I try to tell my kids all the time. Anytime we come across an employee anywhere we are who tries hard, I say that person is successful. It's going to be successful because they give a crap. Sure. Sure. I see somebody trying
3: hard at any job. I think I could probably train them to do another job.
2: Oh, yeah. absolutely. They, they,
3: they are bringing to the table the only thing I need.
2: Right. If you miss an hour of this show, and we do four every single day, every weekday. We don't work on the weekends. You know, even God rested on Sunday. Uh, <laughs> we, <laughs> we, we do four hours every day. If you miss an hour, get the podcast Armstrong and Getty on demand. That was a little over the top.
3: More details on the Biden administration's war on free speech coming up next hour. Armstrong and Getty.
1: Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions. On the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers.
0: I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C.,